Welcome to Athletes to Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. I'm Rob Finkelstein, founder and CEO of Alumni Direct. And we have worked to put together a platform where we help to various alumni connect within their affinity groups, whether it be college alumni, whether it be fraternities, sororities, athletes, or business alumni. And we're looking to create content to help our alumni. And this show is based on teaching and inspiring athletes that there is life after sports. And I'm, we're so excited today to have our guest, Patrick Bensky, on. Uh, it's, we're gonna have a, it's a great story. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And, and his background, it's very interesting. Um, he comes from Journey, Germany. He was born in Germany. He played college football at Idaho, which we'll hear a little bit about. A lot of times it's not necessarily on the beaten path. And again, I went to Delaware. That's not either. <laughs> uh, but then uh, ultimately, he uh, he was the first uh, German-born uh, citizen to play in the NFL. He started out with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then once he retired, uh, he he's a, uh, went into real estate has a good story there. And then ultimately now he's a motivational speaker and just, he has a great story and we're really excited to hear it. So uh, here we go. And, and like I told you, Patrick, very, this is a laid back, <laughs> uh, easy questions and ever, uh, you know, we'll start out with the first one about uh, playing sports growing up. Kind of tell me about playing sports growing up and how it shaped your life. You know, I tried so many sports in Germany. I did horseback riding, ping pong, you know, Tennis. I was all state in tennis. I was pretty decent in tennis. Uh, soccer, of course. That's like all the German mainstays, right? And I was always too big. It was a little too awkward. 6'6", 275, 280. Wow. <laughs> um, we were running sprints after our tennis practice. I was like huffing and puffing. I was always like the, the odd man out. I feel like that's like how most offensive linemen feel when they grow up, right? <laughs> and then one day my friend said, hey, we have a club team that play football. I'm like, what's American football? And from the very first practice, I was hooked. Size, speed, aggression, violence, you know, you have to think, you have to be quick on your feet. I was hooked. Uh, that, that, that's great. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, obviously growing up here in the U.S., you think of different sports. And a lot of times, I was talking to somebody, um, I forget what country, it was a, a Latin American country, and they don't have football. I mean, a lot of it's football is or football and soccer. Uh, so, uh uh, de definitely a, a change in, in the, the cultures, but I guess, uh, you know, having football there in Germany, I know, aren't there, um, doesn't the NFL play there or, or has in the past? In the past, but me growing up, we had club teams. It's my city playing against your city. And it was very, very basic. Think about the movie, The Replacements, when the coach is smoking a cigarette and having a <laughs> cup of coffee in their hands. Yeah. That's exactly. On a public grass field, you see like dog peeing and pooping next to you. Yeah. You know, you're on like a public grass field in Germany. The two things that stand out most in my memory growing up, I tried horseback riding because all the girls were doing horseback riding. So I was the only 11-year-old at the stables because all the ladies were there. I thought it was very smooth. Can you imagine the poor horse seeing the big guy coming towards <laughs> you and like, man, that's a bad gig. And the second thing was being a goalkeeper in soccer, which is very interesting, Rob, if you think about it, it's a game of angles. Right. I'm between you, the ball, and the goalpost which is a little bit like between being you and the quarterback, and it's a game of angles. So that shaped me early, maybe gave me a small advantage into that new game called American football. Gotcha. Now, growing up, did you dream of being a professional athlete? It came to a point at age, uh, I started very late, age 16. I was so very dominant from my first practice on. I talked to my dad, hey, you know what? I think I have a chance to, to live that crazy dream. And 
I'm wearing like a little NFL necklace around my, uh, you know, that's like 30 years old, right? And you think it's funny, Rob, but it's also a message in today's podcast for the young generation, right? People say, well, Pat, it's impossible. Can we please play high school? Let me fail. And they say, no, nobody ever played high school. Well, let me go and just go overseas and see if I can play high school ball. Uh, can I play college ball? Well, it's impossible. And I overcame all those obstacles and finally say, well, uh, I want to play in the league. I'm like, well, you will never, you will never. And then once you make it, as you well know, Rob, because you're a very savvy businessman, once you make it, all the people circle around you told you, I, I knew you would make it all along, right? <laughs> so I mentored Patrick 20 years ago, you know. It was a very hard journey, but uh, my dad and I got together. It was a very Germanic 10-year plan. And then uh, we did make it uh, by making the active roster with the 2001 Jacksonville Jaguars under Coach Coughlin. Yeah, that, that's that's great. And I mean, uh, you know, I, I talk about professional athlete, too. So I'm assuming you want to obviously you want to be an NFL player for me. Uh, I do this on every show, but I joke around and say that, you know, I want to be a major league baseball player, which is true. Uh, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't have the talent. So uh, I'm doing this today. Mm -hmm. uh, so once you um, uh, you got into well, did you play high school in the U.S. or you just ended up starting at Idaho? In on a student exchange program in a small town of Blackfoot, Idaho. Therefore, the Idaho connection. Okay. But Snake River High School. I was wearing a ponytail, black leather pants, black T-shirt. Like, hey, I'm here to save your program. And it's a very, like, small Mormon town, population 2,000. Like, who is this guy? It's unbelievable, right? But I finished all state. I had to uh, go back to Germany and serve in the military, which at the time was mandatory. So I had to serve 18 months in a NATO regiment alongside uh, American and British troops. We spoke English on the base, you know. Went back to Idaho, and the guy is like, hey, you have to live in the student dorms for your first year. I'm like, my unit just came back from Kosovo in 95. I think I can live uh, off campus, sir. So I came back in 97 um, to play college football. And I uh, was very blessed to um, starting right away, uh, made the Hall of Fame, and got the invitation from the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, to be a free agent. Wow, yeah, that that's that's great. I mean, that's a what what a journey coming from you know Germany and and you know playing a little bit of high school ball, then going back to military and then uh, college into the the professional. So, uh, circling back to college, so one thing that um, you know, there's a big you know, we talk a lot about. Um, right now about athlete transition out of sports, which we're going to get into the whole topic a little bit later. But when it comes to college, um, back in your experience, and, and I know you went a while back, just like I did, but um, were there, um, was the school doing things to kind of guide athletes to life after sports then, or, or if not then, like, do you still follow like at least Idaho or other college athletes in our school starting to do that today? And it's so interesting that you asked me, because I love the idea of, your organization so very much because I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any network. Nobody reached out to me and said, hey, Patrick, do you need an internship somewhere, right? What can we do for you? Because you may play football professionally for three to five years. You have another career for 40 or 50 years. So you're doing real service right now, Rob, to the young uh, people listening right now. You have to have a game plan for after the game. I was so short-sighted, only focused on football. I didn't really care about networking. Now, 20 years later, being a little bit more gray and a little bit more wise, you may say, uh, my network that I gained through the NFL is my important and my most uh, valuable asset. So what you're doing right now, you're helping younger guys tap into the alumni uh, networks. I didn't even know what an idol vandal alumni would be. We didn't have any boosters to speak of. You know, We didn't have any internships to give. 
it was really a different time. So it's really changing for the young guys now. Right, which is great. And, and yeah, to your point, that's what we're trying to do at Alumni Direct is to help facilitate those connections. And, you know, um, when it comes to athletes going into these schools and just trying to, to create that bridge for the current athletes and the alumni athletes, because I've, I've had, I was talking to, um, I was talking to an agent and she was telling me about her, one of her players, you know, former uh, NFL player. And he tried to go back to his school and, and I don't know how many years, it was fairly recently. And it's almost like they, they turned him away. And I just, to me, that doesn't make sense. I mean, at, at Idaho now, like, do they welcome back the alumni? Like as far as like you going back and maybe talking to the players as, as a you know, yes. hall of famer from the school. Yes. It really was wonderful. I just came back from Idaho uh, giving some speeches to the team, giving some speeches to the teams. And on Wednesday morning, I was really impressed in the off season. They did a no football talk talk. So we all met in a big um, room and let's talk about, you know, hey, how's grandma doing? You know, hey, who's suffering from cancer? Who lost uh, their, their stepbrother in a car accident? And they gave a, a really good short speech uh, to the Idol Vandals team. I was welcomed back with open arms, but Rob, it wasn't always the same, like you said. Right. Many times they give you two tickets to the game, say, hey, thanks for coming by. But they didn't want to tap into my knowledge, my experience, everything that I have to give after like 47 years on this planet. Sometimes they don't care. Sometimes I think we're, we're evolving right now where the teams are waking up. Hey, the old guy, he got some knowledge. He knows real estate. He sells insurances. Listen to, listen to this guy because they built uh, businesses after they left here. And the team was very receptive and it was a great experience for all of us. No, that, and that's great. And I mean, yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that needs to facilitate. Like I was talking to one guy, he played college football um, at uh, Stony Brook and he talks about his experience and when he played there. And then once he was done, went back home, kind of lived in the family home and it was rough for him for a while, just kind of going back in his childhood room and, you know, hanging out with friends. And ultimately he, he's done a lot of great things since then. But when I was asking him, I said, what if it helped if you had, a place like alumni direct where alumni from that school and they don't have to be athlete alumni could be any alumni, let's say a, a CEO of a company, VP owner, whatever. If, if they had, a, if he had a place where he could go and perhaps get a job or get mentored. And he said to me, he goes, that would have changed the trajectory of his life. Yeah. Also one thing, uh, athletes listening right now, your fame or your skill set doesn't always translate. You know, we talked about the military, uh, earlier, I came back as a Hall of Famer, but then I worked as a realtor in a very small town, and I thought they all would love me because I gave so much to the program, but they've been using their own CPA, their own realtor for the last 20 or 30 years. It was very difficult for me to change my paradigm to break into a new job. I wish uh, somebody could have like made that transition for me a little easier. Yeah, no, that that would definitely... It's, um, you know, when you talk about... We talk about networking, connecting, and I, I was talking to um, a couple of people, like I was talking to another agent and we talked about networking, connecting. And he said, honestly, the best time for athletes to network and connect is when they're still playing. However, most of them don't, whether it's because they're so consumed in the sport or, or just, or they don't, they don't know how to do it. I mean, it, did you experience that a little bit as far as, you know, when you were playing college or even in the start of the NFL, as far as making those connections? Yes, I, I wasn't thinking about making any network connections. I was just busy playing ball, living my life. I didn't really think about anything past the next week, the next Saturday, the next Sunday, you know, getting my nutrition right, getting my sleep, my recovery, getting my lift in. 
I wasn't really as sophisticated as nowadays athletes. We talked about the NIL. They're having representation now. There's some money coming in. I think they're really further ahead than I was 20 years ago. Yeah, you're, you're kind of reading my mind, too, because I was like, that was my next question. Patrick, what do you think about NIL? Because that's a question that, you know, comes across when I'm talking to different athletes. So what's your perspective on it? It's very interesting because some of my friends in Germany, they have companies now. They actually represent U.S. athletes and international athletes. It's very, very iffy if you're like an international student athlete, you still can get paid. So it's very interesting. So it's a twofold answer. If you're truly representing a brand and you have like a social media following and, hey, Patrick only drinks his protein shake to bench 400 pounds, I love that. If boosters get together to create a $50 million pool to buy whoever they want to buy, I think that's kind of missing the spirit. The spirit was to give the athletes some more representation. It wasn't about the boosters giving the head coach a $20 million blank check to get some athletes some compensation. And again, we see at Idaho, you may get like 500 bucks free for eating some wings, you know, at the local yeah. Applebee's. Right. But you see like big time schools, like with a quarterback who's never played a single down of college football, gets a million dollar endorsement. There have been uh, several LLCs created just in their names where booster pulling their money just to pay those guys. I really would like to have NIL means for me, I bring value to a brand and the brand respects me as an athlete and we work together. I don't see it in the big schools sometimes, you know. Overall, I think it's a positive trend, but I see there's potential to abuse that too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, you know, what one one guy I talked into, uh, he played in the NFL as well and, and probably, probably back kind of around the same time as you. And, uh, you know, when I asked him about NIL, his thoughts were that, Obviously, he wishes it was around when he was playing, but the flip side is he's concerned that of the byproduct of it is like, do these student, you know, these athletes all of a sudden they're young. And I always say this because it's not just athletes. I mean, any young person in general, but all of a sudden they're getting a windfall of money. And do they understand like, hey, you need to pay taxes and where do you put this? And it's that whole financial literacy question. I mean, do you see issues with that and, and ways that people are trying to address that? No, you read my mind. Um, my friends who actually do this, we have a small private wealth office in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and we're trying to break into that market. There's two people, right? Young student athletes, and also think about those influencers or those professional e-gamers. They're 17, 18 years old. They're making millions. They don't have a social security number, Rob. Like, they don't even know how to put money away for taxes. I mean, I would be overwhelmed with like a $50,000 payday when I was 16. They're getting 500000 a week you know, from gaming or from influencing on social media activities. So right now, actually, I'm putting a team together to really try to help those kids and give them some sound legal advice because I think it's a completely untapped market. And as a child or as a kid, a young man, I should say, I would be completely overwhelmed if I'm all of a sudden I have to pay for my, for, for my dad's mortgage, for my mom's car. I'm the breadwinner in the family. I'm only 17 years old or 18 years old. So that's a really good question. Um, I would have liked in the old days to get a stipend. Like some, you know, we didn't have enough money to uh, pay for our food. And the difference was always there. I'll give you a great example, Rob, you will like them. So in Idaho, I couldn't get a, some French fries. I couldn't get a free French fries package from McDonald's because that's against violations, right? So we were poor. We're coming home from like an away game. We get a Subway sandwich, a Diet Pepsi. God bless you. We see you on, on Tuesday for practice. The University of Washington, the Washington Huskies, those guys, 
they had a big buffet, right? On Sunday night or Sunday night, they came back away from an, from an away game and there was a steak and lobster buffet and you could uh, take home as much as you wanted. So they had access to high quality protein all week long where I'm nibbling on a Subway sandwich on a Greyhound bus on the way home, you know? So even then in the old days, you saw a big difference between the teams who had the money and I'm not pointing out the Huskies. I'm just giving an example. But it's funny. <laughs> I'm eating a Subway sandwich while my friends over, you know, across the state line, they're eating a lobster after an away game, right? So and I think it gets amplified. Uh, if you look at Texas AM, I think their uh, total budget for the football team is $140 million. Wow. That's very close to an NFL salary cap from like five or six years ago. It's just amazing how the game has changed. I would have liked not to be stressed out about food. I would have liked not to be stressed about paying my rent, having my water turned off, you know. That was very stressful because in the old days, uh, Rob, you only got paid for the eight months you're competing. During the summer break and the winter break, you didn't get the stipend. So you didn't get the scholarship money. So from May 15th to August 18th, you're on your your own and you couldn't even work to make a living. That was very difficult for me. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So I I think obviously there's probably – I think there's opportunities and it sounds like the NCA might get a little more involved or just ways to kind of help. And I mean, that's what we're trying to do is trying to, um, you know, put together resources to, to maybe go into some of these schools and try to help out and, uh, uh, you know, talk to people, you know, create a curriculum that, that helps these athletes with, um, you know, with NIL and social media and, and some other things to that nature. Uh, so um, w- one other question kind of regarding alumni, and actually it's going to be, I'm going to ask you two questions since you played in the NFL too, but from a college perspective, um, do you answered a little bit before, but like at Idaho, for example, do alumni come back um, and like now today and do they interact with the athletes? Did they do it when you were there? Or I think you said they didn't, but did they do it now? Yes. Most like it's, it's an old guy giving a speech like myself, you know, but you made a good point. Mostly when they reach out for you, when either reached out to me, they want like a small donation towards the football program, right? <laughs> There's no true interaction because I have so much more to offer. Right. You could shadow me for a month. You know, you can attempt me doing a motivational speak. I can teach you more about real estate that you will ever, you know, learn in any kind of class. You know, if you uh, want to be a realtor or like a land developer, I could give all that to you for free. But that communication has not happened yet professionally. I think that's what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's critical is to, you know, I think alumni want to give back, especially when you get to a certain age. And so for an athlete to kind of go back and, and mentor, you know, the current athletes, I, I think is great. So once you, um, you know, that obviously we talk about the theme of the show is to teach and inspire athletes about life after sports. And, um, you know, the transition today is, is brutal. I mean, I've, the more I hear about it in the different stories, the more I want to help. And um, tell us a little bit about your transition out of sports. So, well, first of all, um, actually, let me let me go back a second. Talk to me about um, the difference. From, so you graduated college and now you're in the NFL. Talk a little bit about that experience and then and then we'll talk about transitioning out of the NFL. Yeah, well, actually, the NFL alumni, once you're like a little bit more business savvy, you got a little money to spend, you bought your first house, you know, you're in your mid-20s now, we are more savvy in terms of networking. So at the Jaguars uh, Legends weekend, I saw Freddie Taylor, Fred Taylor, right, my good friend. I'm like, hey, you're doing really good in podcasting. Can you please show me how to run like a really good podcast, you know? I saw my friend Kyle Brady, one of our great tight ends. 
and we did some real estate deals together. I'm like, so hey, Kyle, are you still doing those, you know, loans? Are we still doing land development? So as we get older, we become more savvy and we uh, put a heavy emphasis on networking to strengthen our community. But while I was still playing in the NFL, like at uh, 23 or 24 year old, I didn't think about any networking. I met billionaires and I didn't think about it. Yeah. It just literally it just it didn't cross my mind to say, "Hey, Mr. Shah Khan, how did you come from Pakistan and become a billionaire? Like, how can I learn from you? You know, how can I share yeah. you?" And how, think about this one. Now that we can pay athletes in college, wouldn't it be great to work at a car dealership for like one month, get like a two thousand dollar check, right, and see even if you like being in car sales. Maybe be an assistant to a powerful realtor in a small town. Maybe I don't even like showing houses, you know. How much life experience could we offer them early on, you know? Yeah, which would be great because, I mean, uh, you know, people I've talked to too is that the, the people that didn't go through athletics, some of them had a lot more opportunities because they weren't bogged down by the practices, the games, and the whole schedule. Um, and so they were able to do some of these internships like you're talking about. So, um so the transition, talk a little about the transition for you out of sport, out of the NFL. It's a brutal cut. It's like being in a space shuttle, then they kick you out of the door and they're floating in, in space and you don't know what's going on, right? Um, you come from having every single minute of your day planned for the last 15 to 20 years, since, since junior high school, maybe, since high school, to like, well, what do I do now? That's, those are really tough questions, right? Do I keep pursuing the NFL dream? Do I have uh, enough money in the bank to do nothing? That's very dangerous too, as you're going to transition to like alcohol and drugs later on, you know? Right. Like if I have too much time on my hand and too much boredom, that's a very dangerous um, position too. And the one thing I, I learned, the NFL is doing a better job now. They still let you train at some of those pre-combined facilities like Exus and Phoenix. They pay for everything. So as long as you just got uh, released this year, they want you to stay in shape because once you're out of shape, you're not going to make it on the ship, right? Sure. It's such a fine line between like I was really successful in real estate. I made a lot. Of, I made more money than I ever made in the NFL. But my dream was still to make an NFL roster. So right. I had one leg in personal training, you know, in full pads every day. The other leg in building high-end construction. So I was spread too thin a little bit in 2009, right. 2010. Uh, I think as an athlete, once you're done, you have to ask yourself, am I really done in my heart? Then I really have to pursue something else full-time with the same discipline I used to have for the last 20 years. Don't half-ass the new job and don't half-ass like, ah, I'm going to hit the gym, do some bench press. If they call me, they call me. You know that's not good enough to be ready for a tryout. It's a very stressful period of your life. And Rob, it sounds brutal. But I look at the injury reports on Monday morning because I know on Tuesday they're going to work me out. So I know exactly um, the Giants lost two offensive linemen on Sunday. I don't want my brothers to go down, but I'm excited because I know I'm getting a call from the Giants. Right. The Ravens are down two guys. They are looking for a right tackle. I know on Tuesday morning they're going to fly me to Baltimore, right? So you're on the standby phase. You're not retired yet, but right. you're not actively playing. It's a very stressful period in any athlete's life. Yeah, and I, and I can imagine too. Like the the one thing people talk about is that you know they'd be saying like like in your case is that you know when you're done you're like okay well I'm I'm Patrick the football player I'm the football player or like I'm the baseball player hockey whatever sport you play and and a lot of people the athletes feel that way they're that's been their life they're that sport 
but there's a lot more to Patrick than just the sport. And I guess that's kind of where we're going from now is to, you know, how, how do you inspire now that, okay, there is, you can do things afterwards. I mean, talk a little bit now about the journey. Once you got through that transition of away from, from knowing that you're not going to be playing NFL anymore. Now take us on that journey a little bit. Well, it's funny because I got into like, I bought my first property while I was still playing with my uh, then wife and I bought more and more, you know, Jackson was booming. Florida was hot. I started building high end properties. I bought the dirt for like four or 500,000. And then we put like a nice house on there for like a million, sold it for two and a half. No problem. First day of the job, I show up at nine o'clock, right? Nobody is there. Monday morning. <laughs> and it's the first time I'm like, I'm in, is it the wrong media room? Like where we at? It's my, it's my job site. I'm paying you guys. Hey boss, Jacksonville lost yesterday. We're tired, boss. The next week, <laughs> Jaguars won, boss. Retire, man. We can't do it. Then they work from 10 to like 10.30 and get a sandwich for two hours. It was a complete transitioning for me to understand how construction works and how to really accelerate that process. I came in with like an elite mindset, and it's very easy to get discouraged as an elite person down to a normal level of performance, right? So that, I was shell-shocked by the uh, laid-back attitude of some of my uh, beloved construction workers. Yeah, that's uh, I got you know with with a with an athlete mindset works you know work ethic that's got to be a little rough. So, um, you know I, you know you you talk about a lot of things. I mean, obviously, as an athlete, um, that work ethic is there. I mean, how, how do you like what benefits do you see when you're looking at somebody as as an athlete being a business owner or an entrepreneur? Um, we are very organized. We live by schedules. We are very functional. But also now, Rob, we're coming from a sprint to a marathon. So I found more empathy and more understanding. If you were construction for 40 years, you cannot go all out for 10 hours every day because in year five, your back will be broken, right? So I learned a lot to understand how we manage workflow. And life is no longer a sprint. It's a long-term marathon. I can't go all out. I can't have 50 agents working for me in real estate. I can't do two or three phone calls a day because in the end I burnt myself out and that led to an alcohol problem. So the first thing is I say, Hey, uh, keep your good um, qualities, but now you're in for the next 40 years, not the next four years. It's really a paradigm shift that you have to comprehend. You have to look generational now, right? What can I accomplish in 10 years and 20 years? You know, most Olympic athletes, as you know, they say, hey, if you win a gold medal, but you would die in five years, and like 90% said, I, I would take the gold medal, right? But now you pass the gold medal, and you have kids, and you have a wife, and you have mortgage payments. It's going to be a long, long marathon. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, the, thing, yeah I mean, the Olympics is, I mean, that's a big, you know, I've, I've said one of the documentaries I watched, uh, just talking about just, you know, some of the issues that they go through, you know, you, you train your whole life for like a, a minute or five minutes or 10 minutes of, of a race or, you know, some sort. And it just, then it's over. Uh, so tell us a little bit, uh, tell us about, um, you know, now your journey, you know, some of the things that you're doing today. Uh, this is, I always say that this is kind of the, now it's the commercial time. So we, we took it from the top in the beginning. This is what Patrick's doing at high level. So talk to us a little about uh, what you're doing today and how people can find you. Yeah, real fast, like 2009, 2009 happened. It was like a global recession. I went from driving Rolls Royce to being on food stamps. I uh, sought comfort in alcohol and really turned into like, that was a problem. So the NFL paid for me to go to a rehab facility. And the last few years I'm spending my life now on recovery and giving motivational speeches to high schools and colleges 
and working with professional teams. So it's uh, human performance speeches, motivational stuff, but also like recovery, uh, mental health. Let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about resilience, right? I mean, with Corona, with all those things we went through, uh, I feel like as planet Earth, we've been pretty resilient. We've been pretty uh, shaken up the last two or three years. So now I'm giving my my life, my, my life's mission now is to give back to my community. I moved back to Jacksonville Beach. And for example, I work with the Habitat um, of Humanity. We build houses for low-income families. So I'm getting involved with them starting next week. Um, I'm working with a female empowerment group to uh, teach financial uh, knowledge to, you know, minority children. I, I give speeches like, you know, raising my standards, respect my boundaries, you know, and that goes really well. So I mostly talk to kids from like 12 to like 25. And I love giving speeches. And like I said, the idol vandals, they thought they loved it because I'm raw and I'm very authentic. I don't have an alter ego anymore, Rob. I don't have the NFL logo. I don't have anything to hide, you know. I tell you how it is. And it looks so far that the audience is pretty receptive. No, that that's great. I mean, I, I I'm I'm all about authenticity. You know, just uh, you know, be be yourself at all worlds. You know, like be the same person you are at home as as you are. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of great things. Um, is there is there do you have like a? a I, I know also uh, we might not mention the title of the book, even though I, I I like the title, but you're also, you're also an author as well. I guess you know today on podcast you can say anything, but so talk a little bit about your book that you're. Uh, yeah, I'm writing a book right now because I also had a cancer scare that went from terminal to curable. This all happened in the last six months, right? Like, well, when we're talking about resilience. Yeah. You get this, first of all, nobody wants to hear the cancer word. That's like the, the scariest word in the English language. Then they say it's terminal. And then they say we have to chemically castrate you. All in one day. That wasn't a good day, right? And now my body recovered. It's curable. But that was the scariest, like, two or three days of my life. And uh, I'm a Christian, so praise God um, that uh, life is good now, and I'm on the path to recovery. I'm writing a book. I'm not going to use the title, but it says pretty much from screwed to fabulous, you know, from <laughs> F to fabulous. Yeah. And it shows That's people like, bleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bleep, right? Where I teach, I have 10 key pillars of mental mastery, and it starts like mastering the moment, right? If I'm not here with you, Rob, where am I? Do I think about my mortgage payments? Do I think about my ex-wife? I have to be present in the moment to master the moment. The second I'm already thinking of the next segment, the next podcast, right? How many, how many best-selling titles will I sell? No, I'm already gone. I lost Rob. I'm not in the moment. So the power of stillness, right? Uh, mastering the process, mastering your day. Because that's a tough too. Because everybody, you told me, every coach told me what to do for all my life. No, I can get up at 4.30, like Joko Willick and the Navy Seals, like the David Gorgons, the great ones, right? Yeah. Or I can sleep till 10 and drink a margarita. And that's very dangerous because nowadays a lot of athletes have a lot of money, but we still have the concussion problems. We have the mental health problems. You know, you're sitting at the pool drinking alcohol at 10 o'clock in the morning thinking you're doing something. We lost so many great ones. If you think of Junior Seo, he told his wife, I'm going gambling. I'm going to work today. I'm making some money for us. Going to the casinos for him was like going back to work. So back to what I do, I give speeches mostly. You can find me on LinkedIn on the Patrick Vensky, V-E-N-Z, like a zebra, K-E. And just find me and uh, love to come to your school and come to your organization. Like Marky Otkin, he was a great guest on your show. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, I love doing this motivational stuff. 
the cancer uh, put like a little, some of the breaks in the last six months on it, but now I'm healthy again and I'm starting to work with the uh, Duval County School Board, which is here in Jacksonville. It has 130,000 students and I'm trying to be their motivational speaker for all the kids. Instead of getting the most amount of money, Rob, how can I serve the most amount of people? Yeah, that that's that's great. I mean, it's uh, people definitely need to look you up. I mean, it's uh, just talking to you, you know, offline and you know, on this. It's been great. It's just uh, you bring a lot of good um, nuggets, so to speak, of of you know the the right way to do things and how you, even when things are down and bad, you can still come back. And I mean, again, that's what we truly want to do on the show is to. Uh, to show athletes that they can do some other things. And it's not just athletes, it's anybody for that matter. Uh, but, but it's really important. So to, to find us, you can go to alumnidirect.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all that. And then follow the show on uh, our YouTube channel uh, for Alumni Direct because I, we've had a lot of great guests and we plan to continue to have great guests. And uh, so thank you so much, Patrick. It's been great. And I uh, look forward to seeing everybody at the next show. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful and a pleasure talking to you. Don't let the past define you. You only have the moment. So enjoy today. Enjoy the present. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Take care.